0: Come on. Hello and welcome to Dynamite Eddie. It's the Retro Games podcast where a couple of old pals get together and talk about a couple of old games. The voice you're hearing just now is myself, Mick Clockerty. Joining me as always, we have Mr Andy Mack. are. And Mr Mick McCormick. How's it going? Right, boys, what you've been up to,
1: what you've been playing, how's it going? Right, I've decided I'm getting a new mic from the there, man, because I've been listening to the episodes um <laughs> maybe a few months. First um, time? The, the mic's just not cutting the mustard. Um, I replaced my old mic from about a year and a half ago. You probably tell it drop off in quality. I'm going to invest in a new mic, man, because this one is just, I it's, it's sound about 40 miles away.
0: Andy, I think your, your dulcet tones are sounding lovely to me as always. I wouldn't worry too much about it.
1: Oh really, well I like, um, I just like that fidelity, that fiddelicious um, vigor that can only be found in a microphone that costs me thirty
2: pounds. it's not quite capturing your rich baritone.
1: Oh, is that what you think? As a baritone? <laughs> uh, baritone? If I'm building it out, man, I can always go fucking. How oh, does that feel, baby? Make it a fucking a bass tone.
2: Bit a B- Pavarotti <laughs> He's made a tenor, isn't he?
1: Aye, he's made right. a tenor. I'm made a twenty quid, man. That <laughs> yeah, was a terrible joke to start the night, so there you go.
0: Ah, oh, these about to hit out with fucking Pat Mick and the Minister. <laughs> oh,
1: I'm the ghost of Davey Crockett. That £5 going in my pocket.
0: <laughs> I think I'm more the, the kind of baritone tonight. I'm still fucking ronad up. So maybe my voice is a wee bit deeper than usual.
2: Right, you caught malaria, didn't you? Congratulations on Mick for being the last person to catch COVID out of anyone I know.
0: Well, it's annoying because I, I was working on this theory. He just might have heard of it called Michael immunity, but it's just been <laughs> it's been getting it's been getting quashed left, right, and centre, Mick. Was it a German variant? Do you know? I think I got it in the airport. Well, I'll 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 dive in first with some chat. Then I'm just back for Berlin, as alluded to by uh, Mister MacArthur. There, I was I was over visiting Helen with Aero. The eagle eared listener might remember Helen for having to endure through Advance Wars Two, maybe <laughs> last year or two years ago or
1: something. Classic like that. game. Classic game. Don't
0: you be fucking my mis- eye. <laughs> I was dislaying it. <laughs> no, well over there, Helen's wee gaff in Berlin is not too far away from the video game museum there, which had a lot of cool fucking exhibits and stuff. The thing that I wanted to talk about briefly was I got to play a proper fucking socialist arcade cabinet. Ah, an arcade machine that was designed and made during a fucking planned economy called the Polyplay for each... East Germany and in, in the in the actual museum, the Platt King said there was only ever about a thousand of them made, because they were quite dear to produce. On Wikipedia, there's a different source saying there was about two thousand, so I'm not quite sure of that. Well,
1: that's spot on, man. So you didn't need to put any money in these bad boys then? Just um, work? You just had to like, maybe cycle at the same time as playing Planet or something?
0: Well. <laughs> <laughs> As I understand it, they were mostly set on free play because, obviously, it wasn't a capitalist enterprise. They were made by the fucking young Karl Marx Technical Institute or whatever the fuck they had there. The coin slot was designed for, like, basically a 50p piece, but apparently it would work with a penny, so you could just fucking put a penny into it, but they were mostly set to free oh, play.
1: So it's just like a, a head kind of business
2: model, Well, that's
0: like, pay what you buy, <laughs> <mind. laughs> Pay what you want, not intentionally, it was an accident. I think the coin slot thing was accidental, but also they kind of didn't really give a fuck because they were only try to make money after them anyway. As I say, they were they were mostly put in fucking leisure centres, young yes. tra- young trade union clubs, there was a few other fucking places they would get put in. But yeah, apparently um, very popular in the old German Democratic Republic. class. I actually managed to get a wee shot of it the day that you play it. Basically, you're talking, there was a tiny joystick, a wee kind of daft joystick. Story of my you, life. You played, you played with your right <laughs> horn, and then with your left horn, there was just one button, and that was it, a joystick and one button. Graphically, it kind of looks a wee bit like a fucking Atari or something like that, but it was surprisingly kind of fucking playable. I was expecting it to be a lot, I don't know, for some reason I thought it would be like glitchy or something like that. but no, it was It was all pretty decent stuff for the time. Oh, so I see, you sent us a few pictures of it. it. looks cool, man. It looked like one. Um, do you know what it looked like? Did you ever see the
1: Urban Explorers when they were doing an at power station? <laughs> and they went in, and it, the the control room looked like something from a Stanley Kubrick film. Aye. It was like uh, It looked as if it was like out of there. It was like old story, Quite industrial man. looking. I quite like that. Quite, Aye. Like Apollo 13 or something.
0: But aye, there was something like. 8 different games you could play on it There was like a Pac-Man clone and shit Various different things you could play The best game that I played on it Was just called Wasser Row Bruch Which just means Water pipe burst nice. um, There's a, a leak coming through, your roof And you're on a boot with a bucket um, Trying to make sure the room doesn't flood I
2: like how you've, you're doing like, Good honest labour in these games <laughs> Well exactly <laughs>
0: You wouldn't be at Any fucking capitalist business In a good socialist arcade machine Hey
2: burger time Or that
0: <laughs>
2: Do you reckon the Stasi Were keeping an eye On the leaderboards Just to make sure Any folk weren't <sighs> slagging Off too much you know? He mentioned the Stasi. He mentioned the Stasi. Do
1: you think people Ever put on the leaderboard Like fucking uh, I don't know what, what, Henry Truman Like The leaderboard Or whoever was in charge At the time
0: I don't know how much sort of scope there was over these sort of things, whether the Stasi really gave a fuck. Obviously, like what you were allowed to show on TV and films was censored. I don't know how that would have worked with something like this. It was designed at, like, a fucking technical institute.
2: Given it was a pretty new media at the time, like, it's a, you can't imagine many folk really understanding it that much. They weren't exactly
1: rushing to burn these things before the fucking... the East and Germany, were they? They were Way. focused on the their documentation, man. That's why probably these things existed.
0: I think there's a few that you can play in Germany, and I think there's one in London somewhere you can go and get a shot at the polyplay. According to Wikipedia, there were also four additional games in the source code that were removed for some reason. So maybe that was Mm. due to some kind of state interference or censorship, but (laughs) um, looking at the names of the games, they have names like Gardener, ...and Driver, so I doubt it. Anyway, that was that was just me pointing out that... ...when eventually the revolution happens... ...and we go back to a planned economy... ...we'll still have games, don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> Andy, why don't you give us some chat... ...about fucking Sonic Frontiers? Oh,
1: right. Uh, so, obviously, we've been shoveled... ...and we've spoken about it at length on this podcast... ...but we've been shoveled at... Oh, ...vast big bowls of shite... ...over the year, ever since, I would argue about 20 years ago now, my um, Dreamcast days or the like GameCube days, and um, eventually now got a good fucking 3D Sonic game. A good one. And I can see out with a smile on my face, I can see out with confidence, I can see out with swag. We have a good 3D Sonic game, ladies and gentlemen.
2: High praise, man. I mean, I've, I've got to say I've been burnt so many times before with, with Sonic um, in, the, in the 3D realm that I, I didn't think it was possible to have something decent. There's been a few, a, a few highlights over the years. I, I, I quite like Generations, colours kind of highly rated, but just... I mean, seeing the kind of early footage of Frontiers and hearing that they'd kind of promised this whole big open world, but with Sega's famous, like, lack of delivery, <laughs> um, I was very sceptical. But, I mean, if you're enjoying it, then it's that's high praise. So, how do they make Sonic into a fucking
0: Breath of the Wild, first of all? I don't quite understand that. I'm not convinced they even they
1: it's a strange kind of fusion of what McCormick just said. They don't in the day. What I think's happened is, I think they've got a heavy financial bump face, success they Sonic films, right? And I think that they've been given a bit more artistic freedom, and I think that the pressure's been took off their neck. They've not got the fucking big Japanese guy with a fitting in their neck anymore. And I think that they've managed to open up their wings a wee bit and try to bring Sonic into a modern time. I mean, it controls nothing like Sonic in a game, right? It's not a momentum-based engine. It is just the old... Boost controls at heart With a few tweaks here and there But the thing that's amazing about this game I think is that They've managed to kind of make it into something That is inspired by Breath of the Wild But maintain like, the qualities That a Sonic fan might love like, they still got a big spectacle There's a lot of references in, To the old Sonic games You basically go through special stages To get Chaos Emeralds Where you can go Super Sonic And fight a bad guy and all that there's hunters today there's fucking hunters and there's these mad kind of narrative parts where your favourite like Sonic characters from back in the day are kind of like fading in a reality and it's all this kind of sombre tone and it's kind of like your childhood flickering and being there and no, and Sonic's boys have dropped, and he's talking deeper and it's <laughs> everybody's all grew up a bit you know and um, everybody's grown up Everybody's like Moving on to this new thing They don't quite know what it is yet It's not been quite idealised It's not been quite realised yet You just know Things are changing a wee bit In the Sonic universe oh. And I think they've done it fucking really well
0: Sonic's going to fucking Initiate a third impact And get everybody <laughs> Combined into <laughs> one Singular anime creature
1: <laughs> But it's great It is good And like, the The way they've laid out like, The wee impromptu levels On the open world and all that Like you see like Big like Levels essentially in the sky that you could just shoot through to get certain parts you've got to do, and it is like Breath of the Wild and it is like a Witcher where there's just loads of events scattered over the the world, and you've got to kind of take part in these side quests to progress the story and stuff. But there is like there is a really good fucking narrative in there, man. It's like try and get a comparison. It's it, a dead
2: somber kind of.
1: It is a bit like Breath of the Wild I'm not going to lie <laughs>
2: <laughs> The more you're you talking about The more I think that is Really they were Just reading Reading Nintendo's Fucking answers To the test And that one bit. Maybe they were But it really did work And I think
1: that A lot of these reviews with Sonic Frontiers I think that What has happened is um, A lot of people Have been burned by Sonic in the past And they're kind of Understanding like, How good an achievement It was
2: Because it's a really They're good still team. a bit Tentative about it like, but, but what if it is shite Like are you sure It's not shite It's
0: not shite And to be honest, as well, right, who cares if Sonic is a Breath of the Wild? Because guess what? Zelda Heads, Breath of the Wild is just a shadow of the Colossus. (laughs) Fucking. Hink hink, hink about it, man. Hink about it. That's
1: exactly what Sonic Frontiers is. All your baddies are called uh, Gullet... No, g- I can't remember, that's terrible. Um, what do you call that? A guy gets stuck with fucking... Alpha David and a... Goliath. A Goliath, sorry. <laughs> si. uh, that's essentially what it is. It's uh, the fucking the Colossus game for the PS2. You There's uh, weak points on it and you've got to keep up with it and try. That's what it is, Shadow of the Colossus, basically. So it is Breath of
2: the Wild, right? Sonic, Breath of the Wild, but it's done really well. But, I mean, Sonic has the really... The recent Sonic games I've felt, they haven't really learned any lessons from like modern games at all. They've not been like, oh, that's a good idea, let's add a bit of that. It's always kind of just been its own thing, and it kind of has struggled for a purpose a wee bit. So, exactly. I mean, if it's ripping yeah. off Breath of the Wild, at least, at least it's trying to incorporate some new ideas in an interesting way.
1: Pure was relying on that like 2D and 3D, like Big Sonic and Wii Sonic with their own characters now, and that, like, and started relying on that and having these shitty like, 2D representations of the old games. Impure, that like, just roller coasters, that like, simulators, essentially. For 3D levels, Aye. but in this game they've they've loosened it up a bit. It's easy to make errors. It's a bit like Sonic Adventure 2, where it's not as easy anymore to do um, grinding. You've got to put a bit of thought in it. I mean, if you do turn that stick a bit too much to the left, you might fly off the stage and stuff.
0: You've got grinding. Have you got at- homing attacks? I think I-, I take it are in there. Um, a-, a lot of your kind of trappings are 3D Sonic, but done well, I suppose. Uh, and he's got a full. Well, the only thing is he's got a full boutique of fighting moves now. See, I'm I'm never too sure of how that. I- is going to go like, you're on about kick cunts and you're, that
1: you're Goku, you're basically Goku, right? And big fucking shooting, blah, 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 winding up your fucking big attacks, and all that. And you're it's Dragon Ball Z, but see, to be honest with you, man, Sonic's always been like heavily tied in with Dragon Ball Z, um, even right his hair, you know. So, that was, that's not a disappointment, it was always going that way, to be honest. But I think that. Sonic had their choice. They could either go right back to these 2D routes and just focus on being Sonic Mania and that would keep everybody happy but I think they went down this kind of Brave route of just patching all the old stuff and making something new. And the thing is, see the old like, 3D levels that we know from like, Sonic Colours, the Sonic Generations, the Sonic Forces, they're now the special stages that you need to complete
2: to get the Emeralds. Ah, uh, It's like the cyberspace levels or something. Aye. So they're like more traditional levels. So they became the special stages, aye and they, they are kind of like in the
1: special zone they're kind of presented that way they're like flicking in a reality and they're in their own dimension and that
2: so it's a bit like um, Mario sort of Mario Sunshine where they have got like the special stages where you did have the jetpack and that Can kind of Mario. make sure you align your skills a bit more
1: so boys it's all good fucking shit play it man get, a, get it for Get it? It's fucking
2: good. It's good, man. Nice it one. It's my interest, man. I think I'll, I'll definitely check it out. Mick, anything you've been taking a look at before we jump into our, our main events for the day? So I've just been going Steam Deck daft, man. I've kind of alluded to it a few times, but um, traded myself to one of those. Spent a lot of time putting loads of emulators on it. A few kind of teething problems with it, but it's a fucking... It's a brilliant system. Emulation powerhouse. Once you get it set up, it's like a lot more straightforward than using even the PC or... Or my wee um, Raspberry Pi or that. Aye. Games run incredibly well on it. To be honest, the main games I've been emulating are just the games for this. Um Aye. I've been spending most of my time divided among divided among two games. Basically, I've got this system where like, if I want to fully engage and use my brain, then I'll sit and play Elden Ring. And if I want to turn my brain off entirely, I'll play Vampire Survivors So there's a good wee dichotomy there. <laughs> Aaron was giving me some chat about Vampire Survivors. Like, it "Like,
0: he says there's no much game yet, but what like, it's somehow quite addictive." It's
2: basically crack for me, anyway. Like, <laughs> it's that simple. Like, the graphics are kind of inspired by Castlevania, but you pick a, a vampire hunter from a, a roster of characters, and you move up and down the left and right. You've got weapons that fire automatically and kill waves of enemies. There's no even a shoot button or anything. You're just basically avoiding the enemies. Up wee gems, and then the gems will unlock new weapons or power up your old ones as you kind of grow and get experience. So it's just got that classic numbers get bigger, explosions get bigger, right? Sort of progression to it.
0: It's, it's got some fucking idle game shit baked in, then
2: aye, it's like that. Yeah, there's it requires very minimal effort for you to play, but it's got that idle game sort of Hanging of like the progression of your power just going insane levels the longer he survives so it, it does something to my brain I think um, it's, which I suspect is why it's becoming this kind of way hit
1: What about Elder's Ring? Like I've heard that in, in <laughs> things, the, the Elder's Rings became less the mortal enemy of the Little Sisters of the Poor and mere sort of the mortal enemy are gamers
0: Big Elder likes to keep <laughs> his, his ring clean these days <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: I've heard that that's fucking solid man I've heard uh, that you've really got to let I'll try to look at a game and it doesn't really jump out and shout plenty me, me but I've heard it's just it's so well loved and it's so well regarded I mean what is it? Is it the attention to detail? Is it a difficulty? Is it a
2: bit of both? What is it? What's going on with Elder's Ring? There's a few things that folk kind of got on about with these games and from Dark Souls onwards and this one is kind of like Dark Souls but sort of like exploded out on a wider canvas, obviously it's like kind an of open world and stuff. The fact that it's challenging but like in a way that kind of engages you and means that you have to kind of like take it seriously. It's quite rewarding when you achieve things. Just the whole open world thing much like Breath of the Wild where you're like constantly stumbling upon new things and discovering like, oh, a, a new interesting dungeon and a a cool weapon or something like that. There's always something kind of around every corner if you investigate it. Usually a big fucking horrible boss um, which will annihilate you. <laughs> but it's, it's been it's been good. good fun. I'm enjoying it. It is hard in a kind of old school way like Ghouls and Ghosts or something is hard but I found it slightly less intimidating than I thought it would. Like The only other one of these games I've played is Bloodborne which I was enjoying but I kind of gave up on it because it was so fucking difficult. But there's a kind of continuum of these games and some of them are like mere action games almost and some of them are mere RPGs and this one has got a lot of RPG elements the leveling is really important the gear that you get is really important and the fact that it's a big open world is it's made things a bit easier because if I'm fighting a boss and I've not got my timing doing my, my roles and my using my shield or whatever and he kills me then I know that I can like just fuck off somewhere else like get a few levels up get a cool new sword or improve a sword or something like that until I get to a point where it's a bit easier. Um, right. So they've kind of anticipated that a bit, where, like, they know some folk aren't they going to be pure amazing action game players, but there's, there's kind of ways around it. So I've kind of stumbled through so far, and I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting there, but I am just, I'm just, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying, like, just the world and the um, the kind of weird, obscure storytelling and, like, mm. just how many options there are for, like, interesting Builds and setting up your character And stuff like that So it's kind of it, it has gripped me I can see why folk love it And it's a, a good match For the we Steam Deck as well
1: Elder ringer
2: right. <laughs> You've got to reunite The parts of his broken ring That's the that's the deal they wants a broken ring
0: I've, I've heard the Elden Ring Is also quite good
2: <laughs> oh, is that, is that the one folk are going on about? <laughs> but no, the, the
0: games, um, I like all the wee bog in English guys you talk to in the games.
2: There's a lot of good accents, uh, good, good NPC accents. as a Welsh lassie. I think I've met a, a couple of Scousers and that, that's great.
0: Maybe the game will try and subvert your expectations when you think, oh, I'm not going to trust him. But actually, you do trust the Scouse guy. I suppose that'll bring us on to Our first game of the evening Mick, the reason That I picked Gremlins 2 On the original Nintendo for yourself Was mostly because of the tunes I think there's some good (laughs) Fucking Crazy sort of tune, wacky gremlin type music in this. I like the wee overly kinda Japanese cutscenes as well. And I just think it's it's a fucking quite a cool wee thing to look at. It might not be the most sophisticated game out there, but it looks great, it plays pretty well. I like the way we Gizmo waddles about in that. And if you like a movie, it's it's worth a look. I mean there's a, a decent Gremlins game, who who knew? <laughs>
2: Hi guys, this is uh, Gremlins 2, released in 1990 by Sunsoft, who, as far as I can tell, are a pretty... Workman like um, developer. They've made fucking. They've made Hunters a shit. A lot of, lot of ports. Um, a lot of home, home console ports of other games. By a fucking massive list of games.
0: They're a kind of cut above LGN in terms of your know, movie tie in games, but I think there are probably some Sunsoft. Sunsoft, <laughs> That's a mouthful. Sunsoft Snyders out there as well. Was <laughs> that not a,
2: a Sunsofter? I think they ported that.
0: Fantasy Zone was, was made in Hoos. Sega
2: Aye They did that with a lot of games They ported they, Aye they ported all these games To home consoles From whatever system They came out on Originally By a, Jap- a Japanese studio Touching an um, American Film property It's a Gremlins 2 If you haven't seen it um, Stop what you're doing And watch it Because it's incredible exactly. <laughs> Um But of A brief summary of the plot Of that film So at the end of the first film Gizmo The um, the, the lovely Wee Mogwai has been sent back to, to live with his original owners in, in Chinatown. The wee, what's the name of the wee old man that runs the shop, do you mind? You're the guy, you the guy.
0: To be honest, I was just calling him the old Chinese guy.
2: <laughs> living, living in peace with the old Chinese guy, the only one that knows how to actually like look after him and care for him properly. And don't feed him chicken after midnight. Aye, exactly. Until this property developer... Daniel Clamp, his name is, he's basically Donald Trump. Um, he comes Aye. to Chinatown and he's trying to buy out the shop to, to build this, this big new office block. And it eventually happens because the old, the old Chinese man, he's, he's, he's getting quite old, he's got a, uh, lung cancer and he passes away. He's bought over this shop and then he's his one of his team stumbles across a wee gizmo and then he takes him up into this this office and he's... The creepy doctor played by Christopher Lee he starts doing experiments on him because he's a, a novel life form. This office also transpires as where the protagonists of so the first film end up working. Wee Billy discovers that um, his old pet Gizmo has been kept and experimented on. Breaks him free. But then, of course, um, what always happens is that they, they don't obey the rules that you've got to follow when you're looking after a mogwai. Um, don't get them wet. Don't feed them after midnight. And, of course... The fucking gremlins come out, they met they metamorphose into the gremlins, cause absolute chaos and fucking madness uh, wherever they go. But with the added twist in this one, there's this genetics lab in the office, there's all sorts of weird potions and, and serums with genetic materials. So the gremlins start to morph into all sorts of weird and wonderful uh, variations. Fucking spider gremlins, lightning gremlin, uh Brady Gremlin who you all know and love. Um, yes. and that just adds as mere fucking madness to the proceedings so in this game you, you go gizmo which in the film does the do very much to be perfectly
0: honest no gizmo is basically like in a bag getting your reaction shots for a lot of the film it kills the spider at that one bit which is <laughs> which is kind of what the game is
2: entirely based on that one bit where gizmo is like rambo <laughs> <laughs> ah, exactly. Um, yeah, you don't you don't go belly, but it's it's all the better for it because like Gizmo is a perfect wee Nintendo game character. He's wee sprite. He's very cute, much like he is in the film. Very much captures his, his nature there. What this game is is like it's a weirdly it's like a top down platformer. It's a, a genre you don't see very often for re, probably for good reason <laughs> But I'll get into it later. <laughs> yeah, so you're basically cutting about the the kind of pipes and backrooms of him. Um, Daniel Clamp's office building encountering first, first little rats and things like that but then eventually the, the gremlins themselves, different varieties of gremlins then you're, you're fighting them off with whatever weapon you've got at hand but you're also kind of jumping um, to avoid like, various obstacles and jumping over moving platforms and, and things like that as well. In terms of the way the game looks it's pretty impressive for an, an S game I would say. Um, as I say the sprites uh, Gizmo himself is pretty, is pretty cool, the gremlins themselves quite kind of detailed in that, cool animations. All the levels are like kind of weird, industrial sort of places, but in um, what most of the film, it takes place in this big tower block. The the changes you sort of go on,
0: you've got the the first kind of stage, or stage one and like uh, act one and two, are like office cubicles, and then there's a whole section set inside air vents it's meant to be, but it just kind of just looked like grey industrial nothingness. And the the (laughs) bit that I got to stage three was like, do you know that whole bit in Gremlins 2 where they interrupt that woman's cooking show? Uh, Yeah,
2: the, the microwave cooking show.
0: Aye, the the third stage is all like TV cameras and different like stages. Uh, you go oh, to like yeah. the Dracula. There's like a haunted bit with graves, and that's supposed to be like where the Dracula guy does his movie show and all of that. And the, there's Gremlins running a mock go over it. I never got to see stage four though. Aye,
2: it's pretty cool. They do kind of recreate a few a few good wee scenes for the for the film, um, and there's those kind of cool cutscenes as well. So, like, the Ninja Gaiden ones. That Aye. No. Yeah, Yeah. There's a few of those which kinda of like depict scenes for the film and stuff like that and they're quite they're quite cool as well. And graphically it is quite good and like the yeah, it's like so like, they managed to, to get some good variety out of what is kinda of, I guess quite limited levels that he's playing about and the Chinese guy, Gizmo's da,
1: like is he how did they come into contact? You would think that possibly if he knows the legend of the Gremlins, he would just let them kinda of die out like peacefully. Like Gizmo, you're the last of your kind. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not letting you at my sight. Like, have a great life, honestly, but I'm, you're never reproducing, man. I'm sorry. If he knows the I
2: fucking get. ecological disaster that it can cause, like, I don't know why. Well, in fact, it, well, in the first one, he, he didn't even want to sell him in the first place. It's the wee boy. It's the, he's son, I think, the wee guy that works in the shop that, that sells him it because he's like, look, my dad needs the money here. Tom Bosley
0: flashes a wad at him and says, "I want this as a Christmas present for my wife." Then the wee Chinese boy says, "I'll fucking sort you. Don't mind that old dick." But, so as we set the record straight here, the old Chinese guy would never sell Gizmo. He yeah, does not believe in profiting for this. He is a responsible man. I'm who is he's going to just. <laughs> Well, I don't think so because he's 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 possibly a refugee from China. <laughs> but but who's, who's to say, I
2: suppose maybe is a Maoist. Um, he <laughs> was one of the one of the pudges is kinda he of, fell out
0: of favour at some point. If we're talking about allegories and what it's like when Gremlins happens, it is a wee bit like the cultural revolution. Do you know what I mean? Like Wayne's running a march. <laughs> Taking control of classrooms and that, chucking their teachers out. That must have been a wee bit like Gremlins.
1: There's a bit in Gremlins, right? <laughs> and I think it's like a wedding bit at the very end. You know, the, 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 in the background, it doesn't show you them, but the Gremlins are singing like, in a chorus to the,
0: the wedding tune. Yes, it's, it's fucking hilarious, man. And the the hologram doctor for Deep Space Nine, at the end, it's heavily implied that he's going to shag the lassie gremlin. I guess that's kind of smile on his face, but like, but like he's kind of all right with it about it happened
1: like, Fuck it, I've had worse, man. I? Yeah, he just
0: he just kind of he just kind of becomes resigned resign to it, and he's
1: like, oh well. In the background, you've got a great gremlin film. Gremlin singing the singing the wedding marching. The, the, Aye. The eh, Gremlins are all singing it. Just imagine them all fucking jumping about, swing feel light feel bulbs and that and then singing this song. It's great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as I've said, it plays like a, a top-down platformer. You've also got um, weapons and the kind of interesting thing is that you've got a different weapon in each level as the game pr- progresses. Gizmo, in this film at least, he's quite a resourceful wee guy. Um, but as Mick was saying, like he eventually kind of saves the day by making this sort of improvised bone arrow, flaming bone arrow. That's the weapon that you end up with at the end of the game But he right. starts off with like a match And then he gets a, a paperclip And then he gets a bow And then he gets the, the flaming bow And each, each of these weapons is More range and power than the last one so the gameplay gets kind of mixed up in that sense, which is kind of cool.
0: I'm sort of jumping the gun a wee bit on another kind of aspect of the gameplay here, but at various points in the level, you find the old Chinese guy's shop. You can buy weapon upgrades for him that gives you sort of, like, spread shot,
2: or it makes some of them more powerful. Yeah, you, you jump into his uh, shop in presumably the Afterlife, because um, he's dead <laughs> at this point in the film, you go to a Chinese equivalent of heaven, and you, you buy stuff off of the old Chinese fella. What would the, the equivalent be to that shop? Um the London's cave? Gifto. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, go, you go to Gifto, and you can buy either an um, extra heart, a uh, power-up for your weapon, like an extra life or you can get a, a balloon And the balloon is a cool little feature as well That I quite like You start off each level with one of them And if you fall down like a, a chasm at any point And you've got a balloon on you Then you float back up on the balloon You can fly for a, a brief period of time So if you time it right You can use it to like get over quite tricky platforming bits um, If Aye. you fall in And then you can use the, the balloon to kind of go over uh, Over these platforms So that's quite cool
0: This game actually only has fucking four stages. It's quite a short, Ian. It's it's solid though, isn't it, apparently? I didn't find it that hard, to be honest. It's for the old Nintendo and how hard their games are. This isn't one of the hardest ones or anything like that, but it's just generally quite hard because all their games were fucking hard. What's with the pogo stick mechanic, I can see? The pogo stick is sometimes when you kill enemies, there's a light bulb. If you get that, that's like a screen clear. But other times they will drop a pogo stick, which gives Gizmo like a kind of invincibility where he'll bounce about and just kill anything that touches him.
1: The first thing I thought when I was looking at this game was um, like one we played on the podcast before, zombies at my neighbours. Is it the
2: same sort of idea like Tap down What's that shit going on and about you? Does they platforming and? In- I, it's obviously it my neighbours is very of a shooter. I would say like no kind of actual jumping over things. This one's better focusing on the, on the platform element. As I say, top down platforming quite unusual. I don't think my brain is equipped for it. To be honest, I've got to, I, I've got to be moving from left to right like Mario when, in my platformers. I think someone that had been going up and doing the way and like jumping. I don't think I could entirely judge the sort of length of the jump and when I was going to hit the ground as obviously when it's top down. See if it wasn't for
0: the fact that Gizmo, a wee shadow appears under him and shows you where you're going to land I don't think I would have made a single jump in this
2: game if (laughs) if you didn't have that it's hard enough to day one today your basic jump, but I can just about do that. But then it's like, okay, you've mastered that now. Now you've got to date diagonally. Now you've got to date onto like a moving platform. Now you've got to date on a rotating platform. <laughs> like at that point, I was just like, oh no, I can't really do this anymore. Like the, the shooting sections and killing the enemies, I could I was was usually alright. They didn't give me much bother, but unless it was kinda of interspersed with platforming, that's where I struggled. Aye. Did you fight any of the bosses? I fought the first one which is like a big kind of generic gremlin, but they take about fucking 25 to 35 hits, I think, to, to kill. It takes
0: so many fucking hits to kill that thing, man.
2: And uh, when, when they life bar, so you don't know how much progress you've made. And also, like, if you don't kill the boss, you get put it back to the start of another difficult platforming level. <laughs> yes. um, so you have to go all the way through the level. Prof, so you can't really master it, master fighting them without... Like, I have also mastered the level before it. They they bring in a couple of well, the gremlins for the film um, as bosses. There's a great a big gremlin and a machine gun gremlin that I don't really recognise, but there's the the lightning one for the film, and then there's the the, the final bosses the spider one, um, who are quite liked in the film. Just gets Marla stone stuck in a web and he listens to Slayer stuff for that. He's quite cool. <laughs> He's the final boss, um, and the the lightning gremlin, of course. Sadly, nay brainy gremlin, who's who's by far and away my favourite gremlin. He doesn't feature in this game at all, sadly. Which I guess they, they couldn't really have figured out how to make a, a boss battle with him, because he's operating in apron really. See, brainy gremlin,
1: the funniest bit is when he's campaigning for a like, civil uh, society. And when
0: the he's on a, a chat show. And the gremlins just don't, are going fucking just
1: bushman, and he's sitting just like, Yes, we do, all we want is a uh, civil society and all that. And like,
2: how you shoot look, look at you so all. Are, are you mad, bro? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Cheap credit, even when we've been denied in the past. Um, yeah, he shoots the wee gremlin in the heat for, for not being civilised enough. Aye, but that's the, that's the whole message of the film, that these gremlins are born from human society and they're trying to emulate human society, but they emulate all the worst fucking chaotic elements of it in a bid to eventually end up with their own civilisation that supplants us.
0: I used to have a recurring dream where I was running a pub with the brainy gremlin and it was, <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Like It was a wee bit kind of stuffy but he knew how to run a pub and I showed him how to have a laugh a wee bit and all that. It was fucking <laughs> class.
2: <laughs> I'd, I'd watch that film for sure. Was it lucid? Was that a lucid
0: one? No, but it wasn't lucid, but it was... I think I was maybe trying to write down my dreams at that point, and there was a couple of times where I was like, I have been dreaming about a brainy gremlin guy, and it was always that we were working at a pub.
2: <laughs> if you write down your dreams, you have them there often, and you're more likely to have lucid dreams. Aye. If you do it right after you wake up. I'll, I'll need to remember not to write mine down then. Fucking dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it was a lucid dream, you would know Brendan Gremlin wasn't actually real, so you don't want to be lucid at that point, you want to keep the fantasy going. You would know he was a puppet, aye. The fucking, what you call it, the
1: opposite? No, not as a lucid dream, it's um, the one when you wake up, you can't move, and you think death is upon you. and like, Sleep analysis. Like, aye, and it's real, man. I've fucking had it multiple times, usually after £2.80s. <laughs> I start, oh my God, it's the worst feeling in the world, because you actually think that I'm fucking somewhere I shouldn't be right now. And
2: it, it's terrifying. But I um, <laughs> just want to let you know that. <laughs> We're here for you. But aye, overall, I overall, I did quite enjoy this Wii game. Um, it's Nintendo difficult. If you spend the time to master it, which um, I'm just not patient enough to do, um, <laughs> no. you would have fun of it. The tunes, as Mick said, are good. The vibe of the tunes in, in the game is much like that in the film, where they're quite jaunty, but also with an element of menace behind them. Aye, there's a. A jaggedness behind them it's it's
0: actually funny that they don't use the gremlins theme in this at all but you
2: feel as if it's been playing at some point i and they don't have the wee song that gizmo sings either the wee that bit that would be a nice like a shop theme um these sings um but yeah we really don't but yeah they, they somehow managed to capture the the vibe I don't know if the developers had access to the um to the soundtrack at the point where they were making the game Maybe they just had to come Aye. up with a main one Bye, play it. But if you've not got a chance to play it, just fucking definitely watch *Kremlins* 2 because it's, it, it says a lot about uh, society. <laughs> um, it's a commentary on uh, sequels, Hollywood itself and 80s commercialism and reality. Um, and also, like, it, it's really funny when somebody tries to put a Kremlin in a shredder. It's a masterpiece for the age. What
0: year did it come out? Was it 1980s? 1989. 1990. Oh, 89, right? Oh just obviously just a, one of your last eighties films and Aye. Just on the cusp of the nineteen kind nineties of, arriving. It's it's quite a vibey a nineties movie, isn't it? Aye, early. In the nineties was when we got older. I mean I I feel as if we kinda grew up in sequel territory. Well, I remember Ghostbusters 2 better than I remember Ghostbusters, I remember Gremlins 2 better than I can remember Gremlins, like, they made all these sequels to like
2: 80s movies in like the early 90s. Also, Haviland Morris is hotter than Phoebe Cates in Gremlins 2, You can fight me for that opinion. But oh, it's, it's with I, I think I think I
0: will, if I wasn't fucking self isolating I'd be kicking your door down, that's fucking <laughs> blasphemy. Anyway, that's me. McCormick, why don't you tell us why you picked Cyberball for
2: Andy? So this was a game, I'm kind of mining the, the, the C-list or Z-list of Mega Drive games at this point <laughs> to find ones I've not played. This is one that one of my cousins had. I always thought it was quite intriguing, um, this idea of a, a future sport, a future sports are always cool, man. how sports are going to be played in the far fung sci-fi future, and they a cover of these big fucking burly robots playing some sort of sports games so I thought it looked dead exciting and then I played it and discovered what well, I, I don't think I knew this at the time but being based off American football a sport that I knew absolutely nothing about um, the game was just completely mystifying to me um, I didn't know why the game kept stopping I didn't know why I was selecting for all these options these plays every time um, so yeah I kind of never looked back and played it but I just it just kind of came back to me um, quite recently I remember having it and I thought it might be interesting to just revisit and see if it's any less um, perplexing and maybe Andy who knows slightly better about American football than me has played a few of the games and um, might get some enjoyment for it so how'd you go on? Aye so as you said I've got a wee bit of history with American
1: football games on the N64 obviously games for the N64 will it's £790 uh, Aye. Peak, <laughs> peak times So um, I had to go for the cheaper ones. And one of them I had was um, called NFL Quarterback Club 1998, I think it was called. I don't know if you remember playing this, but basically I learned the full whack of the rules, quite considerable rules for the sport gridiron or American football, from that game. And the game its called football in America, but I don't want to get any further away. The game is basically... It's based on turns, right? It's a turn-based game. It's like an RPG in sport format. Basically, you get four shots to run 10 yards, right? If you don't run them 10 yards, then the ball, the possession of the ball accrues to the opposition, and they get their shot. Their are four shots to get 10 yards. You've essentially got to push all the way up the park to get what's called a touchdown.
2: Aye, and if you get tackled, then that's the end of that, that goal.
1: Aye. So the plays are usually like, three seconds long because the ball goes to the quarterback. He's got to then choose a pre-arranged play. It could be like two guys running forward Then he's got to try and complete a pass to somebody. Or it could be a runner, passes the ball to a run, they run through. It's just pre-arranged, like, um, pre-set tactics. They've usually got like, seven or eight per game that they go through, seven for defence and seven for offence that they can switch between. And they're very well like, scripted and very well kind of rehearsed. So that's a minute football, but that this game done it quite well. I thought, I thought, as you were saying, I um, I looked at. You should never judge a book by its cover, but I looked at the front cover of this game, and aye, I like the big fucking the big cunt man with the big kind of breast, <laughs> the big breast, a fucking Eddie Stobart truck, quite <laughs> um, a like, and fucking play like, A mad fucking American foot football again, but as you said, when you actually start it up, you did realise that it is just an a minute football game.
0: I thought it was
2: going to be like Speedball
0: or something. Aye. For everything you were saying there, Andy, because I had a wee go a Cyberball, and I was like, right, that's just Cyberball. So is this just American football, but it happens to be robots? Like, uh, if they were humans instead, would this just be a so Fitba simulation? It is, man. It's an American football game, but I think
1: what they've done is they have heavily tried to make this some sort of competitive arcade game because in the beginning of the... The game, it tells you that the year is two thousand and six. The year is kinda it's kinda it is predicted 2006, like the English God. Premier League. Way, <laughs> it predicted the English Premier League. It says two thousand and six <laughs> players were up, demanding too much money. The, the franchises started like tapping into public funds and that to play to pay their players and shit. So by the time 2020 came, players that like, were building their in islands so they didn't have with the Cretins and all that and eventually the government just broke <laughs> the plug and says nah man we're not doing this anymore so they, they murdered every American football player and they started their own game called Cyberball with robots and um, it was like, kind of like a game shown in the 90s with Melinda Messenger and Craig Charles um, Robot Wars Robot Wars <laughs> aye um, well instead of like, training a player and bringing a trainer for a player for a youth team you would create your own robot and try and sell it to a franchise like a team of robots I got that was the like lore
0: behind the game. Or oh, you can buy upgrades in that between games, is it? Like, uh, that's a wee bit kind of speedball, I suppose. Ah, uh, you can buy like, a new chassis for the hanging that.
1: It sounds a lot more interesting than fucking the National Football League in America, anyway. And uh, the big twist in this game is they've replaced the fucking pigskin with a, a nuclear weapon or a bomb. It blows up. I think it's like a, a 30 kiloton bomb. It would probably kill everybody in the stadium watching the game today, I'd imagine. But, um, apparently oh, that's fine, they'll dome. watch it on telly. Uh, apparently <laughs> there's like, a big dome or something like that. But this game, I've done a bit of research on it and it started off as a cab um, and it was quite a popular one. Apparently it cost like, a bit extra to play because you could, um, I think at the cab had that many what, sections on it, that everybody could go their own player or something like that. Uh-huh. So the negative five version was quite a down version, but... The game is it's quite basic, isn't it, McCormick? It's
2: quite basic, man. It's an American football game. I mean it covers the kinda of minimum viable elements you would need for an American football game, I guess. You know, you're picking various plays and then you go to the quarterback and the linebacker, you can pass and run about. That's kinda of all you need.
1: So you're you're putting any offence and defence, right? So offence you can choose for running or passing. Two different types of players. Passing you're trying to get as far up the park as you can. So you send like, your fastest wee guy or, um, and you get all your kind of pefty guys to stop people trying to stop your wee fastest guy. getting ready out of part so you can deliver that pass that you can maybe get you some yardage. Or you can do running where you get your big sturdy guy with a bit of pace about him just to bulldoze his way through fucking some lofty defence. In defence, you know, you have to sort of stop him. So you've got your big little forty stone fat guys that should be sumo wrestlers on our part of the world. You've got them guys like trying to stop with like, the Wee Martin Boyle or um Paddy McCourt types trying to like slip past cunts and shit. So it has got every like element of American football, but um it's a wee bit basic. I like the way that when uh, the bog is out of play it says ball diffused, so it recognises that the boy's got a nuclear like, reactor inside it. <laughs>
2: As far as I can tell, like, all the kind of stuff about the robots and the exploding ball was just a, a like a paint on top of American football. Like all that happens when the ball blows up is that it just the offense and defense switch to the other side as they would in American football. Once you've had your, your four goes up the pitch, so yes, I, I couldn't see anything, But other than the kind of up the upgrade system and stuff, I couldn't see anything particularly different from what my limited knowledge of American football. I like the uh, team names Andy the Jelly oh, yeah. team that you favoured so
1: um... as you're saying I was looking for a lore in this game to bring in there because we know we love a lore there isn't a man the lore about the, the, the football league been formed and stuff that's probably the most exciting bit. But, but there is teams in here there has been a wee bit of okay, a thought behind it, what the teams are called and stuff like that I'll just go through them all Dallas Destroyers right? Chicago Killers Atlanta Dynamics Indianapolis Cyborgs Cleveland Stormers Denver Dominators Miami Terminators That was my team Houston Springs, ah. Portland Tornadoes New York Enforcers Tampa Bay Razors San Diego Conquerors Of course you've got conquerors in, in the United States of America Washington Punishers And San Francisco Hitmen
0: I went for the San Francisco Hitmen when I had a wee fuck about with it
1: <laughs> I, I, like, I do like the sound of Tampa Bay Razors it Reminds me like the, the old gangs used to get up with that and uh,
2: ice cream wars or something like that Aye, aye I wonder if they're Scottish immigrants <laughs> I <laughs> they're descended for fucking um, What's his name? Billy <laughs> Oh
1: fuck <laughs> Well, uh, Portland, Portland Tornadoes Now, I don't think America would be a country
2: That would really celebrate uh, natural disasters Considering how many they get But there you go, the Portland Tornadoes Also, you don't yeah. get tornadoes in Portland So the, the climate must be quite different In the far-flung future of 2006
1: Maybe they're just laughing at the Oklahoma continent Is that right? We'll probably ourselves the tornadoes then. <laughs> we'll get through you. Maybe Portland's run by like, um, Native Americans or something.
2: <laughs> so, um, apologies to any Americans listening to this because I'm just asking like very basic questions about your beloved <laughs> national sport, right? Do you have a sort of Working knowledge of like why you would go for one play over another one. There's passing and running, I guess, but there's, like, there's all different right. flavours of passing and running as well, whether you run up the left or the right, or two folk run or whatever. Good question. Good question. Uh, sport a gridiron, right? There's a logic to the madness. And your
1: first, right, they call it down. Your turn is your down, right? Aye. So you get four downs when you're on the offense, right? Four downs and you've got to get past 10 yards. See all the big uh, white lines on the pitch? Each one of them's a yard. You've got to clear 10 of them. Once you clear 10 Aye. of them, you go back to your first down again. So you've got to run 10 yards and then you go back to your first and you've got to keep doing that to go up the park, right? So on your first down, you basically do any play you want. So you can do that. Like, this is when you bring out the old fucking notebook and say, I'm just going to go for it and see so you're going to do a bit of experimenting here, right? Aye. On your second down, you, you kind of condense that a bit and say, OK, right, we're still going to experiment here. Might I get slammed there only running two years but we're still going to uh, experiment here and then on the third down you start to think right hold on how many years have we cleared here right. we've only cleared 5 you we've got five to go we've got to start thinking about how we're going to accrue possession where are we on the fucking pitch you know what I mean I'm in there half there in your half if you get a fourth down right and you're in you're in half you're saying we're just going to punt it we're going to punt it it's high up the Aye, hail Mary. get it to fuck just get it to fuck but if you're in there pitch it's fourth down and you're in range of their goal, you can hit a field goal. You can choose to be a field goal player, which will get you points. So there is a method to the madness. So then you do that in cyberball? Aye, aye. So the, the further up the downs you go, the more the, the conservative you are to your, your plays. Aye. The most conservative players are punt, essentially, and that's just like Scottish football. You get your right wing-back, and the right wing-back boots it up the park and gets it to fuck, as we would say. Aye That's the logic I American in football Essentially aye
2: I guess the coach is probably looking at like How things are in the field as well like If they see like One of the guys in defence Maybe as they're playing as well as they used to be Then that could be an opening That you can exploit Things like that You, could, you would choose a play accordingly To kind of get past aye. this weak link
1: That's right And remember there's a whole defence as well So a defence are thinking the same A defence are saying Hold on So see, see, a defence can actually push you back So you start at 10 You've got to run 10 years but a defence can make you run backwards and see if they tackle you and you've moved back four yards. That is called a sack, and that means you might be second down in fourteen. You've got to run fourteen yards. So the defence, are thinking, like, "How can I sack this bastard?" Do you
2: know what I mean? Aye, uh, so they can be deciding to play more aggressively and yeah. go for the sack, yeah. or maybe just trying so, to like, like minimise the losses.
1: If you're being too kind of like fancy with your throws and your fucking your backs and your winners and all that, they can just say, "Look." Let's just fucking try and take that quarterback out. He's taking too long to throw a ball. Take him out. And then they can increase their aggression. They keep all of a sudden get four, three hundred fucking pound guys running at the quarterback. And the quarterback thinks like, <laughs> talking about his play. That's basically how it works, eh? It's an interesting game, man. It's just, it's run by absolute cretins. That's the only thing about it.
2: Yeah, there's as much like Fucking shenanigans Of American football As there is with Like the English Premier League And stuff like that as well The franchises Kind of have their city Like by the boss Like they get so many Concessions and tax breaks And stuff like that Because Unlike with teams In the Premier League There's always a threat That they could just Fucking up sticks and leave And to another city Well, Do you know what Actually happened? Airdrie
1: Airdrie Onions went bust And they bought Clyde Blank simply change the name of Clyde back to Eldre
2: United. At least they, they went bust and that was kind of a necessity, but where American teams they can just call it, you know what, fuck it, we're moving to Dallas or like we're moving to Miami. Like they can just they can just do that, there's precedent for it. Aye,
1: it's brutal man. But how can you support a team when it can just move next like, to Paisley tomorrow? Right. Aye
2: near the loyalty.
1: <laughs> but um I the game was a good representation of American football And American football games did translate well to Computer games. I believe that them um, tennis and football are really good at adapt. You be able to make really good adaptations, especially in this generation forward, sixteen bit generation forward. So
2: I feel like you probably could program some robots to play American football, but like, it's quite it's quite prescribed <laughs> in that sense, you know. Aye, but like what what I'm thinking here is, I guess the robots
0: is purely an aesthetic choice. Like, as far as I can tell, why you don't get anything. The robots. I mean, yeah. I would have maybe have liked to have seen mere fucking some lasers or something. Like that. I don't know. You've got well, robots in your game. but the difference? Is you a
1: fifteen aside on American team, and this is only a seven aside. But um, American football teams play thirty players a game. Like you've got fifteen for your defence and fifteen for your offence. It's a huge number. So I total of sixty players in one game. And I see you've only got like 14, so it's like the Rugby 7s version.
2: Do you reckon the whole idea of robots now was because on the Amiga or whatever this game first came out on, they were like, right, we can't call it American football because we can't push enough sprites at the same time, so we'll reduce the number of players and call it Cyberball. <laughs> Could be, aye. Aye, I think so, probably something like that. Aye. So, the ball does get hot
1: though. The ball gets hot, see over the, maybe every eight downs, the ball explodes. So I suppose that's one difference to a in football. So even if it's your third down, but the sequence for the ball exploding is like, one away left exploding, it will still blow up. So you can still... the ball Ah, so that's how that cool, works. Right. Warm, and it can be explosive. So even though you're on fourth down, the bomb might explode on the next shot, essentially. So you can actually blow the opposing team up if you're working it right. So that's a wee bit of difference, I suppose. But if you're wanting a, a really good, quirky gimmick style a I minute mean, for that game for the Mega Drive, I would suggest to you Mutant League Football as a way to go. Mutant League Football is a fucking dino game,
0: man. I remember that one.
1: Maybe I'll give you that one back, my corny wandy Aye,
0: that will be good laugh. Well, I suppose that wraps us up for Cyberball then, bringing us on to our controversial finale. Now, before we get into... Panic on Funkatron proper I thought I would redo a listener message and this is a wee bit of a first in the history of Dynamite Neddy, a listener called Andy Dunnakey, who I think has been following us for a wee while I've seen him pop up on the Facebook and you know, all yeah he always gives us a like, a like and stuff so cheers Andy, inspired by you two boys and your paranormal investigations in the Halloween episode <laughs> with the, the exorcism and the, the Guruk sea monster he has written in to tell us his own sort of spooky encounter involving a character very near and dear to your heart, Andy, the Bogeyman for Tojamanero. Oogie Boogie. It's folks. Oogie boogie, boogie Boogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie, as you call him. Aye, I like him, I like him. I'm going to read his Andy's tale here. Feel free to interject or whatever, whenever he's like. I'll just kick his ass, right? So, one Friday night when I was 16, I went round to a school friend's house. He lived at the other side of Toon, brackets, Kelly. But as he had an empty, about four of us went round, to have a couple of beers and listen to music. Nothing too crazy. As I had a 6am paper round the next morning, I went to leave early, but with not much else to do, the rest of the guys decided to walk me home. It was still a couple of miles trek, but I took them the shorter route through the woods that ended up near my house. This was actually part of my paper round at the time, so I was very familiar with the place in the dark and took some delight in trying to spook the others out. As we near the exit, there is an area with a bench and a streetlight. I was at the back of the crowd as they were just chatting away. Just then, I noticed a shadow to my left. As the other guys were preoccupied, I watched a hunched-over silhouette creep alongside us on its tiptoes. I was strangely bemused by this. Weird to do it, but watched in fascination as it walked alongside us for a few metres before disappearing behind a tree. It re-emerged from the other side before dissolving into the dark of night. The streetlight was between us and what I saw, so I know it definitely was near our shadows. Now, I'm not exactly sure why, but I didn't bring it up to the rest of the group who, being those few steps ahead, never noticed it. Perhaps it was social stigma, or maybe just because it happened so fast, but I remained in silence for the rest of the path before wishing the guys a good night and peeling off to my state. Although a bit weird to do I actually felt a bit underwhelmed. I had just seen a ghost and it wasn't the life-changing experience that I had expected. Now, to clarify, growing up, I had an obsession with the paranormal. From Ghostbusters to The X-Files, if I had an alien or a ghost in it, I was in. (laughs) My bookshelf had as many books on the subject than it did Ur Willy annuals. Still, that night, I couldn't stop picturing the shadow I had seen. I had familiarity about it. Then eventually, it clicked. What I had seen walking alongside us was for a childhood computer game. <laughs> Not something I was currently playing or even owned anymore. That unique walk cycle, I knew I had seen it before. Not just like it, but exactly it. What I had just seen was the bogeyman for toe and Errol. I knew straight away the absurdity of it. Ghosts were usually in Victorian attire. Far from the video game Sprite came to life I had just witnessed. As it was so far-fetched, I never told anyone. I never even brought it up with the guys that were there that night. That was until years later, when I was a student in Dundee. One night, the group of friends I was in started sharing their odd experiences. With a bit of Dutch courage, I told my story out loud for the first time and was amazed when one of my pals reacted that he had experienced the exact same thing. Now, being one of my best mates for 20 years, I know it wasn't just humouring me. Brackets. As a side note, when I approached him recently about it, at first he thought I was going to be asking About the time he saw Gilius Thunderheed's lightning magic Come out the TV towards him While playing Golden Axe <laughs> on Acid ah. gosh. <laughs> That's gosh, man. Um, As a wee guy he had been Camping near Glesga With the rest of his troop of the Beavers He recalled not being able to get asleep In the middle of the night So stuck his head out the tent for some fresh air he then witnessed the distinctive shape of the bogeyman for toe jam and Errol creep across the field they were pitched in. Sorry, like me, he would kept it to himself until that point, but I felt somehow reassured that I hadn't been the only one. Now, I'm not for one minute suggesting that an enemy from a Mega Drive game is haunting the west of Scotland, <laughs> but it's quite a coincidence that someone I know saw the same thing I did. I would love to know if any other people have ever had that experience. Then he talks a wee bit about something called Interdimensional Hypothesis. The theory about how our unexplained experiences are formed by the culture around us. How things that are not of this world appear, but in order for us to make sense of it we perceive it as something we are more familiar with. Default archetypal imagery. He goes on to say, Historically, people in Asian countries reported sightings of dragons. In Scandinavia, people were more likely to witness fairy folk. But as well as our location, it's possible that our pop culture and activities can influence what we see. The 50s abductees reported spacemen with goldfish bowl helmets. In the 90s, it was the greys. In recent years, there have been odd reports of bizarre abstract sightings, floating hair with covered cubes, black triangles with legs, among others. I wonder if these things could have been influenced from people's experience of Minecraft or Pokemon Go, VR and AR games from modern consoles, causing some kind of confusion with uh, how these ethereal instances are being perceived. He finishes by saying, As for the bogeyman itself, it definitely left an impression on me as a kid. Jam & Arrow was one of my favourite games, and the sighting of that enemy fading into view on screen was a moment of anxiety, only taught by the drowning music and Sonic. Is it possible that being an avid lifelong gamer is how I manifested what was in those woods that my mind could make sense of, or could it have been a trick of the light to my developing teen brain on a couple of beers? I guess I'll never know. And
1: that was it, it's fascinating. <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, I get where he's coming from. I think he's got a point him when he's talking about that sort of interpretation thing, where like. Carl Jung, sort of, collective unconscious sort of. Aye, look, what we interpret is, like, well, a paranormal thing could just be something that's normal, that our eyes have picked up, our wounds and cords have kind of picked up the wrong way, but we relate it to our, our experiences, cos that's all we are, just sums of experiences in it.
0: I guess he's saying that it's, you know, he's seen something so fucking foreign and so out there that his brain has just gone to a reference bank and said, that's the man, for toe Jam and Errol. Uh, that's probably what it is.
1: What else are you going to do, do you know what I mean? You can't Objectively, you're not going to be able to understand something if you know fuck all about what you're seeing. So a way, a way to cope with trauma is to sort of apply something that you're comfortable
2: with it, so you don't have to deliver your whole self to it. Possibly that's what he's talking about. Or, you know, maybe... Craig Johnson went on holiday to fucking Cumbernauld or something and, and seen the bogeyman and then eventually incorporated into Toe and Earl. Maybe. It's an outside possibility, but you never know. It is possible that the bogeyman is still out there
0: fucking <laughs> roaming, roaming the west of Scotland fucking frightening I,
1: people. You could just be one of them guys that love a good old story there. But Scotsman, especially like Scottish towns, and get this thing about cryptozoology and myths and legends. But the blue men of Minch, the Selkies, and the Catman man of up and all that. maybe it's just his attempt at creating his own myth and legend and putting it through the medium of dynamite and edit it broadcast at A
2: Nation. I did see two junkies arguing in Queen's Park over whether something was a rabbit or a squirrel once. <laughs> that was. That's my cryptid story.
0: I take it it was actually a plastic bag or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to vouch for Mr Donaghy here. I think he had just listened to the Halloween episode. He heard us say Toe Jam and Errol at the end and some fucking <laughs> electrodes in his brain connected and he went, I need to tell these boys a story. <laughs> Fair play
1: man. I mean, that's
0: a few hundred words, that, that story, it? at least. It certainly enriched my life reading it. I hope it enriched your lives um, having heard it. Listeners, NEAs, if you... Have I ever seen the bogeyman for Toad Jam and arrow? Maybe you haven't thought about it in years, but all of a sudden you just get a chill down your spine hearing Andy's story there and you think, I've seen that cunt as well.
1: Do you know something? Right, I've kind of got a thing, well, I think after that thing he's talking about, there's this program called The Outer Limits, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a rerun in the 90s, man. And I was about six and I watched it and it fucking stayed in me forever. So now when I'm ever lying in a bed that's not like a divan and it's a space underneath it, I get this mad freaky feeling that there could be this hairy like man underneath it. But I always get it. And uh, maybe that's because of my um, psychosomatic kind of experience I've been able to watch Outer Limits and I was fucking six. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's,
2: it's because most folk don't clean underneath their couches often enough so there's often some sort of dust-based sticky monster under there. It,
0: he didn't elaborate on whether or not the bogeyman went Bogey, 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 bogey like he doesn't
2: <laughs> Don't you, remember? <man>, I'd <laughs> have been horrifying, man I'd have ran all the way home I've
0: got to admit Although he's a stressful baddie And he takes a lot of health off you I like him what, what is I it, free? it free? What do you mean?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it just appears with the, like, the ether it's as if like, see like them UFOs the interdimensional argument that my friend was making there that UFOs kind of skip in and out of existence A bogeyman does that do you? so that's really what I said and it
0: the bogeyman is, I guess, a mythical creature. Is it one of those things that adults use to try and scare children into behaving? You know, like, the, the bogeyman's going to come and get you? Aye. Aye,
1: I used to get told Big Mick was coming to get me, aye, if I didn't behave or not.
0: Well, Halloween, like the original Halloween, when she kills uh, Michael Myers, she says that the, the bogeyman is real or whatever. Aye, the
1: bogeyman, aye, aye. Why not just stop chasing you and he'll come and get you and he's like, uh, just an eternal enemy? Aye, that's the bogeyman, innit?
0: Also, in Gaelic folklore, misbehaving children were apparently warned in Scotland that a goblin or demon known as the Bodak would come down the chimney and take them away. And in America,
1: the Colton Claus.
0: Well, I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a, a, an equivalent or not. There's
1: with chimneys in there. <laughs> that's just Definitely some Samaritans in there coming down the chimney.
0: I'm going to go on a limb here and say that Andy and his pal have actually experienced something from Celtic folklore, and that your man who made Toe Jam and Errol just stole it. They took the trickster demon from Gaelic folklore and put it into their game.
2: And it's Robin about the West Coast seeking revenge.
0: He's out there right now, (laughs)
2: he's outside your window.
0: Next time, you know, you're out camping and you you go out for a cheeky joint, doing a wee gully or something like that. He's gonna fucking get you.
2: He's looking for
1: you because
2: you slaughtered Toyo and then O2, man. That's what he's doing. Oh, no, we're violating causality here. I've no slaughtered (laughs) it yet.
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) or have I? Depends (laughs) on this. But yes, but no, Andy Dunnicky, thanks again for your fucking wonderful message. We got a lot out of it. And again, listeners, write in if you have experienced this bogeyman menace. Currently pillaging Urtoons.
2: I suspect there's gonna be hunters, hunters of hey. letters flooding our inbox about this. You've got to gaze
0: the, the
1: soundbite now to sign it. Boogie boogie
0: boogie boogie. Andy Mack, why did you pick the scabby stepchild of my beloved Toe Jam and Erl? <laughs> uh Toe Jam and Errol panic and Funkatron for, for for me to play. I'm tempted to just make my blood why not, right?
1: <laughs> I'm not going to. Basically, there's a few reasons, right? I've got memories. I stand next to McCormick and fucking Blockbuster. Wanting, his dad basically was saying, right, boys, pick a game for the weekend, and um, I was only staying for one night, so I was like, Toe Jam 2, Toe Jam 2. And he's like, McCormick, don't to play that. He's like, nah, man, I, don't, I don't, Andy, It's not the same, it's not the same. And I'm like, Toe Jam 2, get it, get it, get it. And I think the old man, Nick, he's like... To be fair, Andy, he's got to play it for two days, so uh, so I think we eventually got... What did we get, Steve, Mick? Cyberball. Oh, I
2: can't remember. <laughs> <handle. laughs> we got? We got something Joke's else. on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I
1: remember also, uh, Gautardy, you mentioned something recently, too, that I used to walk home from St Mary's School, where, ironically, I'm fucking not apparently working now, and fucking used to walk past a wee shop where there was a selection of... Mega Drive games and one of them is Panic on Funkatron. You told me you went in and buy it and it had the original in it. No, 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 right, no. no. Alright, you tell me the true story
0: here. Basically, to cut a long story short, our copy, of told Jam and Arrow, we didn't have it anywhere. It was lost, it got stolen. Well, I gave that a to somebody. So. I was like, right, I want fucking Toe Jam and Arrow again from a Sega. It's one of the, the best games on the fucking system. And then you could, you could get Toe Jam and Arrow pretty much anywhere, second on. It was pretty common. So we went in there. It was either in there or in the forum. And I was like, right, um, I want to buy Toe Jam and Arrow. And the guy went looking for a case and said, I've not got the case. I've got this case for the second one. So that was why at Magath. There was always a Panic and Funkatron box, <laughs> but inside it was uh, original Toe, Jam & do
1: you know what? I'm convinced, man. I'm convinced it's the same one, because I bought Chuck Rock at that shop you're talking about, and I remember seeing that. I remember seeing it. It was one of the ones. I'm convinced, Mick, it's the same one. But anyways, I there was a big fucking massive bit of time. it's was a bit of Knuckles Chaotix where I couldn't play it because... Technology hadn't caught up yet in terms of computers, so I couldn't even emulate the bastard. But I finally played it about the year 2000, 2001, and uh, a big toe jam there, old fan. You can imagine the smile on my face. I turn it on, don't, 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 damn, and damn Mick, do you know what it's either me singing it? Just play a few bars, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah,
0: of course. and, then
1: it came on. and it's a fucking 2d platformer i was like oh, what, what 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 and i couldn't get by first level and i couldn't help thinking is it just me is it just me I'm not enjoying this, so I thought, let's get the fucking, let's get the answers, man. So I gave it to yourself, Big arrow Cockerty. Let's hear it.
0: <laughs> well, I've got to admit, it's golden axe, is it? <laughs>
2: um, so you didn't play it, uh, is what you're I'll not, <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
0: not, I'll not keep you in suspense uh, on that front. I still don't really like it. Um, yeah, you get flung into it and I mean as, as I'll get into, and I think McCormick's looked into it a wee bit You get the sense that they've had their wings clipped here And that there was probably some interesting ideas that they didn't get today And we ended up with America in a generic package um, The plot here is that after the events of Toe, Jam and Arrow Toe, Jam and Arrow are these two funky teenagers from the funk planet Funkatron I'm going to be saying funk a lot probably <laughs> um they crash land on planet Earth and then you need to find all the pieces of their spaceship in order to get them back into space is this crazy fucking roguelike thing, one of the best games on the Sega, as I said. Anyway, oh, when oh, they oh, get back sure, to 100 percent When they get back to Planet Funkatron, it turns out that a bunch of rogue humans were fucking stowing away on their spaceship and now they're on Funkatron running amok as annoying tourists running about and taking photos of things and just generally being a nuisance and all the aliens want to get them to fuck. So that's the plot. ToeJam and Errol are the ones responsible for this catastrophe so they need to go about and capture Earthlings and wee jars, fuck them onto a spaceship and send them back as the far right would like to see. Done to many people in this country. <laughs> um, so, I that's that's your your set up here. Um,
2: I, I do actually. I do like the the sort of interpretation of of earth of earthlings. Not specifically like what humans are like. It's like how how an alien would see humans. I think is just quite oh, an oh, inherently oh, funny oh, idea. Oh, yeah, like them oh, yeah. being them being the weirdos and them being the baddies. It's quite. Uh, they I are, mean, the first one always had
1: that, one of the best things about the first one was something really difficult in the later stages, right? People think, re, people remember ToeJam the Nero was quite an easy game for some reason. Is <laughs> it? Fuck. It's fucking solid towards the end. And it, see like the likes of the earthlings try to run you over with a shopping trolley full of wings and all that. That's Aye. just hilarious, well,
0: man. I mean, the, the baddies in one are really fucking surreal. There's that a group <laughs> of chickens with Kaiser helmets that have got like a, a tomato fire and mortar. There's like a ghost ice cream van. We'll You've got get we'll a, bo- a bogeyman, obviously. Well, no, the carrot man's one of your few sound humans. He, he identifies presents for you. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: You've got The. The Earthlings in Panic on Funkatron are a wee bit... I don't know, they're not as creative, in my opinion. There's a couple of weird ones. There's a guy in a cardboard box that sings opera. He's pretty good. Um, but there's a lot of... The ones you encounter most are these wee wains that just run about going... Nya, 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 and they're pure annoying as fuck. Um, See, another thing, my, my uh, call the, the funkatronians just one that is cool... But,
1: See that last level, you know that's my favourite bit, I told you. I mean, when you end up back on Funkatron, man, every kid's glad to see you. And you're just cutting about and it's like, oh, Welcome back, oh, you's a radical, man. You's a cool, you's a groovy as fuck, right? Um, no, the Funkatronians in this game, they don't look like Funkatronians. That currently three eyes looks like a
0: fish out of Simpsons. Right, like a Well, I'll get on to that. Um in my in my sort of last bit here, that's probably one of the few things I would speak up for this on, and maybe disagree with you a wee bit, but um, as far as the fucking gameplay goes, you're, right, jam & Errol, the first one, is based on this game called Rogue. Uh, which, Mick, th- did that come out in the 70s or something? It was all like ASCII or something like that. We've, we've Aye, talked about Rogue before on this. That,
2: you've been playing that on a, on a mainframe system like, rather than a, a personal computer, it's that old. Um, Aye. Your creator told you I'm an earl, spent hours at uni like logging onto the mainframe and playing this game. And then yeah. Toe Jam and Earl was kind of his take on it, but with his kind of funky art style, and his influence for like growing up, listening to funk music, and seeing all the, the artwork and the kind of mythology of funk music, and that that was all blended together for um, for the original Toe Jam and Earl. So really you had ran-
0: Aye. You, you had these randomised levels that you cut about exploring. You picked up presents, which gave you all these mad wacky items, and you were basically looking for ship pieces and uh, lifts to the next level. Um, no that sense of exploration you had for the first one that kind of unique roguelike gameplay is all gone you've got pretty linear levels um where you kick about looking for earthlings but as far as i can tell the earthlings are always in predetermined places like yeah you, you have to look for them by like shaking trees and um ...looking doing fucking stanks, like we sewer type pings ...and then other ones are just sort of running about out in the open... ...but they are pretty much always where they're always going to be... ...the levels are linear, um, as a, as you said, it's a 2D platformer... ...so you don't have that fucking wonderful exploration for Jam & Arrow... ...you've got a pretty fucking generic A to B platformer... ...where you throw jars at fucking annoying humans... Um I started to find it pretty repetitive there's
2: it I was I quite enjoyed the like the first couple of levels like just tracking down the wee guys kind of like the Knuckles levels since sort of adventure you've got a wee fucking pointer uh, a Aye. pointer that takes you to where these things are but it gets a bit annoying when there's like more of them like when there's in the later levels there's just horrors of them and they take fucking horrors of hits to kill as well um, so they do get a bit frustrating
0: on your pause menu, you get a funk scanner, you get this other thing called a, it's either called a funk magnet or an earthling magnet or something like that, um, which you've got a set amount of uses for, but if you use that, it just amalgamates all the humans that are on the screen at that one point into the one ah. jar, so that can be quite useful if there's fucking hordes of them running about, but again, no particularly interesting, um... Uh, a, one of the big downgrades, right And this is something I I I, did, I, I just had no time for Is that you still collect presents in this one But unlike in fucking the original Toe, Jam and Arrow They just give you fucking points Or something like that Like, or sometimes health Like, no fucking rocket skates no Icarus push. wings oh, oh, oh. no fucking Aye, none of your fucking good power-ups oh, For the Jesus. first one
1: Stop it, stop it That's fucking horrible, man That's horrid you know what, man? <laughs> it does it does sound like ass. Absolute unadulterated ass. Right? Oh, and uh, I'm... let me let me tell you something. See I think throw representation. It's nothing compared to the final section of Told Nero One. Oh I think
0: pretty. I think they were under pressure for Sega. I sympathise with them a wee bit. They've no made it's It's a bit uncreative, um and it's maybe no Something that I enjoy, but I don't think it's you know a shoddy product or anything like that. They've put out a competent game, um, under the constraints that were put on them, I guess. Um, well, here, here we go I'll, I, What I'll tell you is um, I think the aesthetics here are, are a big strength um, I think it looks really good The wee intro is fucking pretty funny um, You know, you've got Toe Jam & Arrow watching the news And realising that they're behind a big fuck-up again uh, The tunes are fucking good again You've got that kind of multi-layered fucking Sega that. sound I They reuse a lot of the tunes for the first one, you know, the main theme and stuff like that, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, I also enjoyed that they were able to put in a wee bit more writing. Um, When you you kick about in this one, you can, like, chat people's doors and then a wee Funkatron alien will pop out and give you just a bit of patter. Just a bit, of, <laughs> a, 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 a bit of toe jam and arrow hey, funkatron style that's part. Bits, about
1: it. like a part between them. What's this kind of special stage with the scribble? I like that. The
2: hyper, a um, hyper funk um, zone. Yeah, the, the hyper, hyper funk zone. Func zone I like that. Kind way. of doing like an, en- an endless runner kind of thing. It's a, that's a cool aye. kind of art style. You have got this gear kind of like crane drawn sort of art style on that, like and a, a good name as well. It, the hyper it, funk zone. The Sonics.
0: It's a bit um, of I think Sega were keen on them putting in the hyper Funk zone, I'll leave it at that. Um, the hyper-funk <laughs> hyper zone is also, I think, the only thing for Panic, panic on Funkatron to make it into the new ToeJam & Um So there was something that survived, I suppose. Um, so, uh, so,
1: it kind of reminds me of the backgrounds for the first one, you know, between the Bill & Ted scenes, when they went through the aye. dimensionals dimensional parts which is missing I'm guessing for this game that's one of the best bits too. you're inter- interdimensional
0: you get to you get to the end of a stage and you launch all your humans onto a spaceship and then a wee guy says alright Toejam and you are you ready to move on to the next level and you say aye and then the next level starts so you don't get that no. banter do you
2: I but it's quite a cool wee thing you set he you off in a big spring and you launch it out into orbit and then you land down on a, another part of Funkatron I quite like that I like the lift better with the banner. I uh, mean, so um, Greg, Greg Johnson, the designer of ToeJam & he said this, and he actually kind of said this about three as well, but basically like, they, had a, they had a sequel, which was basically like ToeJam & Earl, with added extras, like improvements on the original, and then at some point your development here come up to them was like, look, like... We don't really know what we're doing with games, like this platform is all the rage, so you kinda need to retool this in that platformer. And he wasn't really bold enough to go, No, we're sticking with our guns here. Um and they just settled on this. And as such, yeah, it's he he doesn't I don't think he dislikes the game that he's created but he says that it just was really confusing for the fans who thought they were going to get another game like this and obviously the, the, a lot of folk had the same reaction as you to. like what is this? Like, why am I not playing something that's ending like the original game? See controversially right I quite like this game and I've maybe not got as much attachment to the original Jaminer as you to today. but I think for that reason I probably I'm looking at it more as the same thing than than the first one as Mick was saying, the aesthetics are really cool. I like, I like how it looks. I like, I just like the vibe of Funkatron in general. I think it's a cool place to go and chill, the jumps, in chat the jumps, guys. the
0: jumps, floaty. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's 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 what I don't uh, that's what I don't like about it. it Does the as a platformer, it doesn't control particularly well. It's okay. a sh- sh- jump. The animation like it doesn't help. Um, but exploring the wee levels I quite like just cutting about, talking to the wee guys there's all different secrets and bits and bobs to explore and stuff like that if it was a better, just a slightly better platformer I would have, I would have thought this it's a really good game to be honest
0: I, I didn't feel like I was exploring though maybe if fucking if they even tricked me somehow and I clicked and it said start game random world and I thought I was playing a random world I would have enjoyed them there does that make any sense?
2: Um, I thought it was on Rails or something. Yeah, it's but I mean that's that's just how that's how these platformers worked. Like it, the, the, the randomness was a, was pretty unique to Toe Jamin out at the time and this just yeah this isn't gonna this isn't gonna do it for you if that's what you're you're looking for. Well, um another thing that I
0: did like is that every so often you will find aliens next to a big fucking boombox, and if you put um, a pound into this fucking meter hang next to them. You got to jam out with them. And there's this wee, <laughs> this wee green guy called Peebo in the first level. I mean, you date with him. You basically, they'll basically do like a wee dance, which will be like boom, clap, boom, boom, clap, and then you'll need to like copy their moves. And it gives you like a funk score, and depending on how well you're doing that, you can oh, get more funky points. I've
1: got to say though, all in purples. Uh, the graphics are beautiful, aren't they? I mean, aye really nice um, arrows never looked better um, just the parallax like scrolling the graphics it'll be a kind of 3D effect that kind of Citizen Kane effect I always talk about where there's like different things moving at different speeds depending on the depth of the screen I mean I, I like looking at it I think it's um, tasty for the
0: eyeballs you know oh there is a there is a bit you get to it's a a field I can't remember it's called like that, That's exact, Field that's exactly somewhere. what I always think um, all, it's, it's
2: lovely brought up here the
0: it's, well, it, I mean, it, it's all these different layers are right. like, funky, it's multicoloured fun flowers, in and then and then in the background it's just this pure cosmos behind you. I agree, um, it's, 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 it's the best looking fucking screen in the game, Beautiful.
1: man. There's also one where uh, I told you I'll we'll just go down, like, as puddle, and then the puddle will be,
0: like, a big pool. And then oh, the swimming the pilot, bits are shite. changes. I like looking at <laughs> it, um, I, know, I, know, I pretty, think they dude. look cool.
2: I like the I like the wee fish in that, and I like how you, you grab a, a puffer fish and puffer fish and get a winch to get my there. There's something Aye. about purple and green,
1: right? I don't know if it's Teletexters, but I think I've talked about this before. But something Take, about purple and green. Cross
2: that one off your bingo card for Andy. Purple and green. <laughs> <laughs> no, am I
1: just fucking been a? Am I just showing my my slight autism here? A purple and green. It's just something I gravitate, and I like it. And I think it's, it's very well represented in this game.
0: All right. Another thing I, I like would is agree is with that
2: Kenna, you, you've taken a, a technical term for the Sega Mega Drive graphics called parallax scrolling, but that's not not literary enough for you, so it's now the Citizen Kane effect for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Citizen Kane, so I don't really know what that's in a reference So,
1: so Citizen Kane's famous for its cinematography, and basically he created a... Who, who was it also? Mills created a thing where... Things are moving at different speeds, but at different depths in the picture, getting it a 3D effect. So, uh, that poppy might,
2: Michael Bay, who's a much a much worse director, is also a big fan of doing that. Uh,
1: so that, that level was basically a good example of that. Getting that 3D effect, which good.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I can understand why somebody might like it. As I say, I don't think it's a fucking... Shoddy finished product or anything like that. They've made something as competently made, but it's always going to be a fucking disappointment to me, man. I'm too attached to the original and how fucking unique that is and fun to play. I switched this off and started playing Toe Jam and Arrow One. I'm not going to lie, that's what I did, um, and I had a blast. Do you think if somebody, to to- <laughs> had, think
2: if somebody had hit you with a Men in Black mind Razor thing and you'd never heard the Toe Jam and One before, you'd have enjoyed this one? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I enjoyed it. I think I, I, I don't. Again, I
0: don't know if I'm too poisoned against it, I just don't think it's anything special. Um, uh-huh. Presentation aside, it's the gameplay is repetitive and fucking boring for me. Um, I mean, for that reason, this is a kind of half recommendation. I didn't like it, but McCormick did. And you might, listener, if you played the original, you never got around to this one. It's certainly worth a look, but you know, it wasn't for me. Mm. Still isn't. Fair enough.
2: We don't claim to be objective in this program. Nah, man. We're <laughs> no. guys, you're man. And
1: that's it. Nothing more, nothing less,
0: isn't it? That's it. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't I put it better myself? <laughs> um, no. Well, we got on to dishing out our games for next time. Oh, and it's the, our, our final games of the year, by the way. Fucking oh, it's incoming.
2: Time. It's nearly time to get plates out, boys.
0: Uh, right, uh, McCormick, what have you got lined up?
2: So I'm going to combine two of mixed favourite things here. Um, Squaresoft RPGs on the PS1. And stories about giant robots that are also allegories for like Gnosticism. Um so you're getting ne- zero gears or zero gears um on the PS One. I've
0: been meaning to play this for a while. Um as as Mick says, combining two great passions for me, which would be turn based combat and going to mass. Um Andy <laughs> Matt, for, for 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 you for for you, hang, same hang, you <laughs> been <in your> <laughs> For for you, we've got... Um, now, this isn't exactly a cult classic by anybody's definition, right? It's a weird thing. Um, for some reason, I had it. I had the other Rugrats game as well. It's Rugrats in Paris. Uh, the Rugrats go to Paris. They bring you a weird overworld to explore and some mini games to look at. It's fucking weird. It'll be interesting to talk about. There you go. Oh uh, cool. <laughs>
1: nice one. Was that the one and, with the, the orange um, VHS?
0: Uh, po- quite possibly ah, Quite possibly I, so. I don't know cool. um, What have you got for McCormick? I don't think he's done enough
1: Fucking N64 classics myself um, And this one is what, probably Right up there with Pancho Kazooie In terms of the old collective ones I'm going to give him the root,
2: But shrewd as bad for the Aye <laughs> Absolute Some, Somehow we never get around to playing it So yeah,
0: cool That's an absolute banger I mean, somehow this year is pretty much the year end 64 because we've had the two best N64 games in my opinion, Majora and New Conquer. Can he beat that? It. <laughs> well, do you
1: know uh, what, um, Mick? My quarterly, I would say, see how you space next to your turkey, here, man, because I reckon this game is going to blow your wee socks off, son.
0: There you go. Might make it. Might make a Christmas plate at the end of the year. Who knows? Uh, but that'll do us for this evening. Anybody want to play us out? with a cheeky final comment.
2: (sighs) Uh, Funky Polish. Can I just play a funky bass riff instead?
0: (laughs) Aye, why not? Do that. (laughs)